Amen. Would you open up with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5? The back of your announcements are notes. If you don't have Bible, uh, a Bible, they're always in the back. And if you need one now, you can raise your hand. One of our wonderful ushers will get them for you. It's good to see everybody here. God is on the move. Amen, amen, amen. We are uh, going through the book of Matthew. We are now in the place called the Sermon on the Mount. We went through the first part of that sermon, which is called the Beatitudes. Now we are in the section called Salt and Light. Everyone say Salt and Light. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, are you salty? (laughs) You see, we talked about that last week. Amen. Salty in a good way. I got some of you looking at your neighbor going, yeah, you are salty, man. We're not talking in a bad way. We're talking in a good way. And uh, I want you to know today that we're going to finish off this part. Salt and light only has uh, two messages in it, to be salt and to be light. So next week we're going to move on to the uh, other parts of the Sermon on the Mount. And I think uh, we're really being blessed by this. How many are enjoying the teachings of Jesus? Are you enjoying that? Amen. Isn't that better than stories and jokes and, and riddles and all these little things? I was, um, you know, see, I sit at my computer and do my office work. And I love to put on sermons. Uh, you know, like I said, I can, I can listen to two, three, four, five, sometimes six at a time. Because a lot of times these sermons that other pre- preachers have on, on the Internet, the little Pop-Tart sermons, you know, it's like, boop, you know, put them in, five minutes, they're done, that's it. And uh, this one guy I was listening to, he's a very good speaker, and I was really interested in listening to him. And uh, his, his message was about 40 minutes long, so I said, okay, this will be good. It will occupy me while I'm doing some work. And uh, literally, he starts the joke, and I'm like, okay, I'm not into the joke. I fast forward, and I, I go to like three minutes, you know, like, you know, you can do that with uh, the MP3 files. And he's still telling the joke. And then I go like five minutes, he's still telling the joke. Then I go to like nine minutes, he's on another joke. Literally, the man did not get to the scripture till like 15 minutes into the message. How many are glad you don't have that today? Amen. I think that guy needs to go back to Jesus and the Bible. I love being a pastor, and I hope that you appreciate that. And I don't want to put down other churches. Thank God that people can be funny, you know. Sometimes I'm funny not really on purpose. It's more on accident, you know. It's like people are laughing at me, and it's like, well, that's crazy, Pastor. There he is. But I want you to understand, I as a pastor, I take great honor in the Word of God. This, to me, is the only thing that we have. It's not man's opinions. I, I love this Word. When I first got saved, uh, some people came to me and gave me prophecies. One of them was very special to me. It was from my own mother, and it came from Jeremiah. And she said, the Word of God is like a hammer that destroys the strongholds and shatters the work of the enemy into pieces. And, and, and my mom prophesied. And as a matter of fact, the thing about this prophecy is it came two years before I was even saved. And God uh, spoke to my mother and said, your son will preach the Word like a hammer. How many kind of feel that hammer in here every now and then? All right. Amen. And, and I'll just tell you, the word of God encourages, the Bible says, it encourages, it, it comes and it encourages us. It also rebukes us. It, it, it corrects us. And it, and it tells us how to live. And so I hope that you've been appreciating this. All of the messages are there on our website. If you're ready, can you say amen? Verse 13, it says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now, let's look up here real quick. I talked about this last week, and I said that salt does three things. Salt flavors, preserves, and it purifies. Now, what what Jesus is teaching here is he is saying, if your salt is not salty, it is thrown out and trampled by men. 
So think about this. Next time, you know, you're using some Goya, you know, the flavor, you arroz con candoles. And, and, and you, you, you think to yourself, oh, why don't I go out and take some salt from the street from leftover from winter and put it on there? Next time you do that, I want you to think about how God looks at our prayers, how our, he looks at our life when we don't live right. And you would say, Pastor, I would never go out and do that. We'll never pray a half-hearted prayer, never live a half-hearted life for God, because that's what you're like to him is some dirty salt that people stomp on. Amen? Now, that's the truth of the Word of God. Y'all got to look at that again. I think y'all looking at me crazy. Jesus will trample on me. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Somebody say, I'm the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? So that salt that you see that is put out on the ground is not the same salt that you season food with. Are y'all with me? It said it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Do you know that some people are going to be thrown out and cast into the lake of fire? Do you know that? Oh, y'all, y'all know that hell is real. Do you believe that there's a literal hell? I know in today's seeker-sensitive gospel, they don't want to talk about hell, the lake of fire. But Jesus talked more about that than he did about heaven. Because you know why? He doesn't want anybody to go there. Well, the first thing that you learn is that you have a responsibility as salt. If you miss that message, it's on the website. Go to verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. Somebody say, I'm the light of the world. Amen. It says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Everybody say, I'm the light of the world. Now look at the honor Christ Jesus gives us. He says, you are my light. Think about that. Jesus doesn't say the angel Gabriel is going to flutter its little wings, come down into the world, bling, you know, and it's like, oh, he says, my angel Gabriel is going to be the light of the world. No, no, no. Jesus says, you're going to be this light right here. And he says, nobody takes this lamp and puts it under a, uh, what does he say? It puts it under a bowl. You know, whatever they would do with that, I have no idea. But let's just make it real simple. Nobody puts a lamp on the floor. Are you all listening to me? Nobody does that. No one would put this under a bowl. That would just be crazy. If you would put a lamp under a bowl, that didn't even make any sense to me, okay? Now ask yourself this question. How good of a job are you doing at being that light? Now you might say, well, Pastor, I'm a good light. I love people. I smile all the time. Well, you know how Jesus says you are to judge what you're doing? It says in the same way, verse 16, let your light shine before men, or yeah, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. Everybody say, good deeds is my light of God. So here we are. So think about this. And, and here's one thing I want everybody to think about. This is so amazing. One time I was... Uh, you know, counseling some people, and they were telling me, you know, they're the only ones saved, uh, you know, in their home. You know, our churches have always reached, uh, the, my church in New Orleans and here, it's always reached people who've never been a part of a church. And I just remember at my first church, you know, I was discipling people, and they used to come to me, and they would say, man, Pastor, I'm the only Christian in my house. I'm the only one living for God. You know, why is that? Why is it? And I remember one time I went home and I prayed, and I said, God, why is it so-and-so is the only one living for God? Why is this? You know what God shared with me? When you put a lamp in your house, do you then put another lamp right next to it? Do you do that? Do you put, another, you put four lamps right next to each other in your house? Do you do that? Yes or no? You all looking at me, you all don't know. Yes or no? <laughs> Help me out today, congregation. Do you ever see in your house like one lamp here and then the other one right here? No. Because you know why? You don't need light in both places. 
the same lamp, rather, in both places. You only need that one. You know what God told me? God says he saves people to be that one light. You see, and they wonder why they're all alone. And they can only see another lamp way over there, you see. And they're like, I only see Pastor Joe living for God. And over here, it's all dark. You know why? It's because God called you to be the light right there in that darkness. You see, he didn't call me to be living in your house, living in your family, or your, or your other people in church. See, God chose you. That's why a lot of you, when you get saved here, you're like, man, my family don't know the Lord. My uncles don't know the Lord. Man, I wish my whole family was Christian. Well, that's part of the plan. And how God starts is with you. And it starts right there. And that lamp begins to burn. And so you may be looking around going, am I in the wrong place because there's no lights around me? No, you're exactly in the right place because there's no lights around you. Amen? Because you're the one that's shining. That's how I knew we needed to go to the uh, Ohio Park. Why? Because when we were looking for a storefront out there, I was approached by a prostitute. That's when God said to me, son, you need to shine right here. Hello? You see, I didn't want to go stand in front of some big mega church and try to convince people to come to my church. I didn't want to try to write fancy books and get mine on the bookshelf, you know, right there at Barnes & Noble. You know, your better life now or something, you know, come up with some little catchy title, you know, you know. Hello? I just, God said, you're going to go be right there in the darkness. Where it's the most dark, that's where you're going to go. And how are we going to live? Through our good deeds. Everybody say, the light of the world. Now, I want you to think about what the light of the world actually means. What does light do? It illuminates darkness. I want you to think about how darkness is never greater than light. So that means like if you went to the basement of your home, into a closet, into the darkest, you know, uh, whatever, non-lit room closet, and you shut the door and it's pitch black, just black. You can't even see your hands. If you just lit a match, you can see something. Are you with me? You see, just the littlest of light could begin to illuminate that room. What God is saying is his light overcomes darkness. So when we're talking to you today, as we get into all these scriptures and all these things, what Jesus was teaching us is that when he is in us, he is greater than he that's in the world. And you can shine in this world. And it doesn't matter all the temptations you face. It doesn't matter all the fears that you may have. It doesn't matter all the people around you who may try to be darkness in your life. God says if he starts hearts of fire in you, you will be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Are you listening? And it's time to let your light shine. Amen. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. You got to look to your neighbor and say, get your shine on. You see, you got to get your shine. I want you to look at what he's saying. He says, shine for me with your good deeds. So we're not going to shine with our pretty outfits. We're not going to shine just with our beautiful facilities. Though we may have all of that, we are going to shine with the life that we live. And I want you to think of three things that may hinder you today from shining that light. You see, there may come times in your life where this light may begin to get dim. There may come times in your life where things block this light. And I want you to be aware of those things because Jesus says you're always to be the light. If you go to your job, you're still to shine. If you're with your family at home, you're there to shine. If you're getting waken up by your wife early in the morning and she keeps telling you you're going to be late, you've got to shine. Right, Nancy? That was me yesterday. It's a little hard. I don't get up very easily on Saturday mornings. You know, I'm like, I want to sleep. But you know what? We've got to shine in all circumstances, all places. Somebody say, let your light shine. Amen. I want to show you the first thing. Genesis 2, turn there with me, that can cause you to not let your light shine. Adolfo, as I'm getting to each point, come and put them up there, please. Adolfo is going to be my assistant today. He is a good man. 
Praise God. He's a preacher. He's already preached his first message. Amen. You can check that out as well. And elevate. Sin and shame. Genesis 2 is going to talk about Adam and Eve and at the very beginning when they were created and how sin and shame actually turned off their life. You see, and it's the same thing with us today. That if you're not going to live for God, that sin can begin to block your lamp. You know, see, before you were looking at that lamp and you saw that, you saw that light, but now you see sin. And you know what? I mean, I could have made this really, uh, you know, really gross, I guess. I could have put pornography right there. Because honestly, we're, we're not hiding anything from God. You see? And, and we may hide it from people, but our spirits can't hide it from people. And so we may be thinking we're the lie of the world, but if we're delving into pornography, men, you see, we can't give any good gifts to people. You see, because really our spirit first has pornography. And really the Bible says that's why people give that junk to other people. That's why they pass it on down to their children. That's why men at work, they can get together and pass on sin and evil. You can be seated after everyone, brother. Thank you. And I want you to think about if you're not careful in life, how sin can block the lamp that God shines in your heart. You see, some people may look at you as a smoker. Some people may look at you as a drinker. Some of you on your jobs, you may be looked at as an angry person. Some people have an impression of you that is not godly. Jesus says, your light's not shining, man. He said, let your light, it gets quiet when I preach like this, but I like it, amen. I'm going to keep on preaching better than your shouting, that's all right, amen. So, you know, we can make excuses and say, oh, that's just the way that I am, that's just how I, no, 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 Jesus said, be the light, he said, be the light. And so that means anytime darkness tries to get into your life, into your life, if you are living for God, you can overcome darkness. You can overcome sin. You can overcome temptation. I want you to think about that. Look at Genesis 2, 7. If you're there, say, I'm there. It says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Now look at Genesis 2.16. So God created man. He breathes in him. He becomes a living soul. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From when you eat of it, you shall surely what? Everybody say die. So here you have Adam and Eve. You have Adam and Eve. They have been given the breath of God. They are a pure spirit and a soul before God. God says, do not eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And here in verse uh, chapter 3 of verse 7, just look up here. They go over to the very tree. God tells them not to. Hello? How many know cigarettes will not come into your hand unless you go over to them? Are you listening? How many know customers, customers don't come into your mouth unless you know them and meditate on them? How many know rated R movies with naked women and all that don't come into your home? You bring them. Hello? Are you all with me? I mean, we love everybody here. Amen? I love you. Look at your name and say, Pastor loves us. But I got to tell you as it T-I is, as it is, okay? I got to be honest with you. I just got to tell you how it is. This is how it is. Nothing in your life as a sin, you're just going to be walking and then boom, hits you upside the head and fall in your mouth somehow. That is not how they got into sin. Adam and Eve were not walking one day and all of a sudden, boom, the apple hit them, fell in their mouth, made them eat it, you know, and then they swallowed it. No, 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 no. They went over to that tree. They looked at it for a while. Then the devil started tempting them. You notice the devil didn't tempt them until they got over there. 
You see, the devil only tempts you with what you want. Oh, some of you think you're too cute to get things in your own heart bad. But listen, you've got to understand what's in your heart is what the devil's using. If the devil's not putting junk in your heart, he's just tempting you what's, what's already there. Are you listening? I mean, I, got, I don't got a whole lot of time to do this, but it's stand up for me again. I've got to have you do this. Do you a little curtsy. Spin around for me. Now go ahead and sit down. That did not turn me on. Are you listening to me? That didn't turn me on one bit. I am not lusting after that. I don't care how much the devil, the demons, and all of his hordes of Satan from hell come to me. I'll never be tempted by that. Are you listening? Because God didn't make us uh, to be, you know, our will is our own will. The devil can't take it over and God can't take it over. We choose who we serve. Are you with me? But you see, if I was dealing with homosexuality, and some men do, listen, you see, that's a temptation. Now, now if I start looking him up and down, oh, look at him. Somebody looking good. Somebody looking good. Work it now. Work it. And you know what? You know what the devil's going to do then? The devil's then going to say, hey, Ish. I mean, hey, Joe, why don't you ask Ish out on a date, on the down low? Okay? And then it gets all crazy and nasty. I ain't going to talk about it. Are you listening? They went over to the tree. They were tempted by what was already in their heart. And it says, in the eyes of both of them were open. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I want to tell you what happened. After they went over to the tree, they ate of that tree. And then their lamp went out. And now, before they were naked, the glory of God covered them. They knew nothing but the glory of God. Now that their lamp was out, all they knew was what? That's all they knew now. Now they realized they were naked. They realized they had to clothe themselves. Now I want you to open up your Bibles to John 3, 3. Now you're going to understand why Jesus had to teach this. John 3, 3. And this, you know that I love you, right, brother? In a good brotherly way. Amen. See, that's what happened to Adam and Eve. And that's how man is actually born. If you're in John 3, 3, somebody say, I'm there. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, In reply, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is what? Unless he is what? Born again. I want you to understand, Jesus Christ had to come so that the lamp could be put back on again. And what's the first thing that we do when we come to Christ is we repent of our sins and we say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And what happens is Jesus Christ takes away our sins, and now the light begins to shine. Somebody say, get your shine on. Amen. See, it's that simple. There it is. Now, the Bible says that there's a unique type of being, a unique creature. It's called a backslider. And the Bible says this backslider is like a dog that vomits, walks away, comes back. All that vomit looks good. And then eats his own vomit. The Bible says there is a type of person, a backslider, that is like that. Like a pig, you take out the sty, you clean it up, you put some good cologne on him, you make him smell good. But then the moment you let go of him, he runs right back to the sty. The Bible says there's a such person called a backslider that can get saved, have the light on, be forgiven of sin, but begins now to live in it some more. And see, Jesus is saying, you can't be my light that way. You might say, well, Pastor, what happens when we do sin? Am I a backslider? No. The Bible says the moment you sin, the moment this comes into your life, you repent of it. You repent of it. Because I want to tell you, I don't care if it's just you cursing sin, taking the names Lord vain, in vain sin, stealing sin, pornography sin. The Bible says you let that sin fester in your heart. It will shut off that light. 
You see, the Bible says we come to him by faith. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the Bible says don't just be hearers of the word, be doers. So the lifestyle of a Christian is living by faith, living the word of God. But the Bible says he who does not live by faith does not please God. And then the Bible talks about people who had faith, but they shipwrecked their faith. And you see, you can have this faith in God's word, working it out, repenting, living for God, living holy. And then one day sin can come in and you can begin to turn your faith off of God. And what happens is that sin will come in and shut off that light. I want you to see that here in 1 John. You see, because a Christian life is a holy life. You might say, Pastor, well, we all sin. Well, we should be forgiven and learn not to sin. The Christian life is not a life of excuses. I'm a sinner. I'm an alcoholic. I'm this. I'm that. No. The lifestyle of a Christian is I am an overcomer. I am born again. I am a new creation. Amen? The the, the confidence of us living holy does not come from our own ability. It comes from Christ. Why can you live holy? Because God's light is in you. He didn't say you're going to be the source of the light. He says, no, you're going to be the light and I'm going to be the source. And that light overcomes darkness. You see, I want you to think about the light bulb and how the light bulb itself, if we were to look at that, itself cannot produce light. But it can be a a conduit for the light. So the electricity goes through it and then begins to shine through that light bulb. Are you all listening? And what God is saying is when you're a right light bulb, you're living right, I can flow my electricity through you. But the moment you disconnect from me, the moment you live unholy, the moment sin gets in your way, it's a disconnection. And you're just a light bulb without any electricity. And that's what the world is like today. They're like light bulbs without electricity. And what they got is all this sin, but they want to paint it up. It's like a dead light bulb. It's a light bulb without light, but they put nice pictures on it. They get a lot of clothes. They get a lot of money around it. But you know what? That thing is still as dark as can be. And that's what men's souls are like, the Bible says. And that's why we got to be born again and then treasure the gift that God has given us and live holy. And if we should sin, repent and ask God to cleanse us and let our light shine before men in our good deeds. Amen? First John chapter 1, verse 7. It gives it as clear as can be. First John is a great book of com- contrasting the life between living for sin, living for holiness, living for the devil, living for God. First John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the what? As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son purifies us from all sin. Somebody say, walk in the light. If we walk in the light, the light of God purifies us from all sin. You see, when we're living for God, we may have sin. It, it may happen, but you know what? The blood will wash this away right here. And then now I can live for God. More like him every day. And I think that's what Jesus Christ was saying when he's saying be the light of the world. He's saying walk in the light as he's in the light. We have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus cleanses us, purifies us from all sin. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was out in the mud getting dirty one day and I get cleansed, I don't want to run back in the mud. Are you all with me? Now, that's the way we should look at sin. If you do sin, you know, nobody should attend to sin. But, hey, if you're, if you're out there in your job, and let's say you're letting your light shine, bling, bling for Jesus, getting your shine on, I'm going to let it shine. And all of a sudden, like, something goes wrong, and you're like, oh, blank that. You just sinned. You just did something you shouldn't have did. You've cursed. The Bible says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. The moment you do that, just pray a prayer in your heart. God, forgive me. Lord, let your light burn away that sin. Let the light take out the darkness and wash me clean. And that's the way you're going to be. 
That's the Christian life. Amen? Amen. Let's look at another thing that can get in the way. Fear. Everybody say fear. Turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. 2254. I want you to see the story of Peter and how he denied Jesus. You know, when I first got saved, a lot of people always would tell me, Joe, you remind us of Peter. And I didn't know if that was a good thing or not because he betrayed him three times. <laughs> and I was always trying to figure out, was that the, the Peter before the betrayal or after the betrayal? But I want you to see what I, I think they were talking about is that Peter was a good man. Peter did love God. And if you look at the life of Peter, one day we should just do a whole series on the disciples and their stories, is that Jesus never went back after anybody. When a rich man came to him and wanted to follow him, he said, what must I do? Jesus said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, follow me. The man said, I'm not going to do that. Jesus kept walking, never went back to him. There were people on, in John chapter 6 when Jesus said to the Jews, eat my flesh, drink my blood, because you'll have nothing to do with me unless you do. These words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And there are, the Bible says there were crowds that walked away that day, and some of his disciples walked away. Are you with me? He never went after them. But if you look at the life of Peter, after Peter denied Jesus three times, what does Jesus do? He goes after him. Peter had given up on preaching. Peter had went back to fishing. He was in his boat. But you see Jesus after the resurrection. He comes out, sets up some fish, sets up a meal, and he goes to Peter. And he says, Peter, come to me. And Peter jumps out the boat because he was fishing in the sea and runs to be with Jesus. I want to tell you what the difference was with Peter and all those other people. Is you see, Jesus will not make you serve him if you don't want to serve him. If you're not willing to give up things and follow him, if you're not willing to lay down your life, if you're not willing to hear the hard teachings of Christ and follow him, he will not chase after you. But if you are somebody who loves him and truly desires him, but you battle with fear, you battle with insecurity, you don't always do the right thing, you don't always say the right thing, sometimes you don't feel like you're adequate to serve God, Jesus Christ will never leave you. He will always come after you and bring you back. Are you listening? And so the second thing I want you to see that a lot of people allow to get in their way is fear. Just fear, just anxieties. And, and it's not like they purposely say, you know, I don't trust God. I'm a worrywart. You know, no, what happens is things come into their life and they begin to get afraid. You see, with Peter, it was now as a Christian, you see, before they were feeding the poor, they were walking on water. Hey, that's pretty cool. But now being a Christian was going to cost him his life. That made him afraid. There are times in your life that being a Christian may, may seem like it's a big challenge for you. Maybe God's calling you to do some outreaches with us, and you feel it's a big challenge to go out there and preach the gospel. You start feeling afraid. Maybe some of you understand that God expects you to pray in the fast and to read your Bible, and all of a sudden you're just like, man, I, I don't think I'm good enough to do this. Has anybody ever dealt with fear? You know what? I'm the only one holding my hand up. I'll be the one to admit it. See, most people with fear won't even admit it. Come on. Tell the devil he's a liar. I want to tell you something. When I first got saved, fear was my biggest temptation. Fear was the biggest thing that was blocking my light. Y'all probably wouldn't believe that looking at me now, but that's exactly what it was. It was fear. Man, I, I used to sleep in my car. I was homeless. I did drugs. But I want to tell you something. When I got saved, God changed me. But I was so uncomfortable with myself. Because, you see, drugs and alcohol, it deals with low self-esteem. And I was so uncomfortable with who I was. I couldn't be alone. 
I had to always be around groups of people. I always had to go to bed high. I always had to fill my day with just worthless activities. And so the hardest thing for me was just to be quiet and be alone and deal with my own thoughts because they scared me. I'm so serious. I never felt depression like that before. I was a Christian now, and I was dealing with thoughts of depression. I was dealing with thoughts of suicide. Maybe my life's not even worth it. And, man, I had done all these crazy things and never had one thought of suicide. But as a Christian, I began to feel that. You know why? Because fear begins to come from our doubts and insecurities. But here's the thing. When we're talking about Jesus Christ telling us to be the light, he is not saying that we are the source of the light. You see, when we look to ourselves as the source. We hold that light bulb in our hand. We'll see all of the imperfections or the things that we don't think are good enough. But if we look to God, we'll see that he's all that we need. And I want you to look at what happened with Peter. Look at Peter 22, or rather Luke 22. Look at how Peter is facing probably the hardest time of his life. Now, I don't know if anybody here has ever faced a hard time in their life as a Christian, but if you have, this is for you. If not, this is for your friend, okay? Amen. Somebody say amen. And I'm just kidding because I know all of us will face this. Look at verse 54. In verse 54, it says, if I can find it, Then seizing him, they took him away, taking Jesus, took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had rekindled a, or kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the, in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he said, woman, I don't know, do not know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not. Look at him talking. Man, I don't know him. Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord has spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I want you to think about the times you feel that you failed the Lord. I mean, let's just be honest. Haven't we all felt that at one time or another? The time you failed the Lord and you just messed up. You did something you shouldn't have. And I'm not even just talking about going out and just sinning now. I'm talking about we as Christians. We feel we fail the Lord. Maybe the Lord told you to fast for three days and you only fast for two. Maybe the Lord told you to memorize Scripture and you didn't memorize Scripture. Maybe the Lord told you to be a part of a church and get to church on time. Amen. But you didn't know how to do that. Okay. And you know what? You feel like you failed the Lord. You know what brought you out and had you weep bitterly? It was fear. Because you know what that fear was saying? The fear was saying inside of you, he'll never love me again. And at that moment, this Peter, who was shining bright for God, all of a sudden, you didn't see that. Unplug that for me, please, brother. All of a sudden, you didn't see the mighty man of God. You didn't even see a light in the distance. What all did you see now? Fear. He gives up. Man, I just, man, I just betrayed Jesus. Man, he looked right at me, and he just goes out, and he weeps. See, that's, that's the difficulty we as pastors feel. If you ever want to pray for me, pray that I don't let fear get to me. Because you may think this is comfortable and easy for me to get up and speak in front of you. It's not easy. 
Because I know that I'm getting looked at. I know that people are going to see who I am. They're going to come to my house, check and see if I have dust and if I keep a clean house. They're going to watch my marriage and all that. And you know what? It's so easy that one time I make a mistake, that one time I say something to somebody that I shouldn't have, or that one time, you know, I get a little angry. You know what? I go away from the Lord and I feel like, man, I'm not even worth being a pastor. I'm not even, I'm not even good at this. And you know what? If I let that happen to my life, that's all you would see. That's all you would see. That day, that's all you saw in Peter. If you were to follow him home that day, you didn't see the Peter that walked on water. You didn't see the Peter that was out raising the dead with Jesus. No, all you saw was a Peter that was afraid. But I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and see another type of Peter. Come on, somebody. I want you to see a type of Peter that got plugged into Jesus and said, I would not let fear get in my way. Oh, come on, somebody. Are you getting excited with me? I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 1. Amen. You see, I'm trying to wean you off the PowerPoint, the karaoke slides a little bit. Y'all noticing that today, huh? Some of you are like, I ain't going to get my Bible. He's just going to put it up there. And like, all of a sudden, you're stuck now. You see? You see, I'm just going a little half and half now. See, every now and then a little point up there. Other than that, we're just going to put it up there. So we're going, we ain't going to ever lose this Bible right here. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 2. This is after Jesus reinstates Peter to be a disciple. But Peter's still afraid. He's still dealing with it. Now look at Acts chapter 2. Or rather, we've got to go to Acts 1. We've got to hear what Jesus told everybody. Go to Acts 1, verse 8. You all know this scripture. Many of you do. Chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive what? Somebody say Power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So God looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, I just brought you back. And by the way, all of them were afraid. So it wasn't just Peter. And he looks at all of them, and he says, when you get the Holy Spirit, you're going to get some fuego. You're going to get some power, some dynamite. Are you all with me? You all remember JJ? Dynamite. That's what you all going to get. Because that word power is dunamis in the Greek. You all looking at me crazy. I just came to have some fun and preach to y'all. Y'all with me? He said, you're going to receive power. Now look at Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes. Tongues of fire. That's why we speak in tongues. Because those gentlemen spoke in tongues. That's why we do it. Now look at verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I got to say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel was speaking of. Put on that light for me, brother. What happened was, when the Holy Ghost, Fuego de Dios, got up in our brother, he threw off fear, and he began to preach boldly for Jesus. You see, what God is saying to you and I is let his Holy Spirit infill you. That day you feel like quitting. That day you feel like giving up. Get a hold of God. Let the Spirit of God come in you because light will overcome darkness. I want you to just look up here and look at these scriptures right here. For, uh, 2 Timothy 1 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, that's fear, but a spirit of power, love, in a sound mind. Hallelujah. I don't care if you've got to say that to yourself every second of every day. I will not be afraid. 
I will not give up. He did not give me the spirit. I have a spirit of power. I have a spirit of power. In Jesus' name, I have power. I quoted that scripture every morning, noon, and night. And I began to believe it. I began to walk like I was talking. Are you listening? And then I began to look around. And all I could see was the light. And the fear began to shed and disappear. Just like the sun coming out in the morning darkness. Can't hold it back. It's about time some of you get on fire for Jesus. And don't let nothing hold you back. It's time to let your light shine. Amen. Don't try to hide your light under the bowl. Don't try to put your lamp down. Say to Jesus Christ, I am here. I want to get my shine on. Put me on the hill. Put me on the roof. Let everybody see me. Let me be that lighthouse. Let me be that little red light on the Sears Tower that everybody in Chicago can know that you're alive because you're in me and you're on the move. Glory to God. You know, some of you, you're understanding this because you're getting called like a doubtful. And all of a sudden, God, you know, he starts using you. And he starts letting you be used by him. And it first starts off like you're a light on the first floor. And so people walking by Sears Tower, they can see that light's on. And then all of a sudden, you start preaching and getting that anointing. Now you're like a light on the 10th the floor. Are you all listening? But you see, as you keep going, God puts you on top like that little red blinking light. And airplanes can see you because God is going to use you to touch the nations. And there's other people here. And you will be used by God. Why? Because He's the source. He's the source. Let Him shine through you. Amen? Somebody say, get your shine on. Amen. I want you to look to the last one. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Hallelujah. Everybody turn there with me. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. The devil. That lying old serpent. The devil. We, we couldn't forget about him today. We had to bring him out. Amen? You see, the devil wants to hide behind men's flesh and agendas. But I'm going to tell you something. Abortion comes straight from the devil. I love gay and lesbian. I love every transgender person there. I love them. I'll spend time with them. I'll let them help me babysit my children and be with them. I'll let, I love people. But I'm going to tell you something. That agenda is from Satan himself to have men defile themselves, women defile themselves, break up the home. I'm telling you, I love the inner city. I, I lived in the ghetto. I love all the people there. But I'm telling you something. The devil is using people to destroy their own culture and community. Are you listening? I love this city. I love this nation. But I'm telling you what, there's a lot of agendas that that the flesh is not just coming up with. These politicians don't know, but the devil himself is giving them agendas. I've got to be honest with you. The devil is on the move. I did talk about sin, that there are things just in your heart. You can't put it on the devil. We talked about fear. That comes from you. That's not the devil. Though he'll assist you, he'll help you. But now we're talking specifically about the devil. Just things that the devil will do. He is your adversary. And the Bible says that when he was an angel in heaven and he turned from God and was cast out of heaven, he took a third of the angels in heaven. Somebody say a third. So that means two-thirds stay, but he took a third with him. Now John, when he saw the uh, uh, heavens and he saw what was up there, he said that there were angels that were innumerable to count. So let us just say that John saw billions of angels. Are you all with me? Satan took a third of them. I think that there are literally billions of demons. I think there's enough demons. The Bible talks about a man had a legion of demons inside of him. A legion is close to 5,000. 
The Bible said the devil wanted to afflict this man so bad that he sent 5,000 demons just to that one man. So the devil has authority and power to really mess with people. And this is what begins to happen is what we are not aware of is that he's a roaring lion. And if we're not careful, he can come and take out our light. Now, I want to show you how he does this. Because you may say to yourself, Joe, I'm never going to be a Satanist. And that may be true. You may never put an upside-down cross on your head. You may never go to a Marilyn Manson concert. You may never, you know, drink bats' blood and have seances in the middle of the night. But I'm going to tell you one of the things the devil will do. He'll get you to turn your back on God because of hurts and pains in your life. He'll get you to say, God's is a bad God. I've seen people at funerals say, I give up on God now. Who puts that in their heart? The devil. When you lose somebody, you're at a funeral and you're hurting, the devil will come up to some of you. I've heard him come up to me when I lost my sister, and he'll say, where's your God now? And the Bible says what the devil wants to do is he wants to blind the mind of people. He wants us to only see the lies that he, the Bible says he's a liar. And what he'll do is begin to tell you lies. And I'm going to tell you the biggest lie, the biggest agenda he is teaching our young people right now. You came from a monkey. There is no God. Look at this little chart they're showing you. You started off as a single cell organism in a prebiotic soup, you know, 6.5 billion years ago. And a million years later it became, and look, this is what you are. There's no God. We were watching a G-rated movie just yesterday. You know, Mongoriums, Emporium, whatever that thing is, you know. We're, reading, we're just watching a little G movie, and it starts off with magic. And it's like, oh, if you have magic, you can do all of this. And so it's all this power on the outside. But then at the end, the whole, the whole story was about, no, the power is really in you. You don't need these things. All you need is you. And see, that's what the devil's telling us. And you would say, oh, that's satanic. That is from the pits of hell. The biggest lie the devil ever told is that he's not real. The biggest lie after that he ever told us that God's not real. What he wants you to think is that you're just this fleshly body. You're just this 70, 80 years. You came from a monkey. Science is the only answer. And if he can blind you, you will give up on God. He will use tragedy. He will use science and arguments. He will use the things of this world, poverty. He'll use wealth. He'll use whatever he can, Satan himself, to destroy the light inside of you. Somebody say the devil's a liar. I want you to see how he's a liar. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The Bible even calls him a God right here. That means he has authority. The Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Hello? The Bible says you preach to people, I preach to people, they don't see it. The Bible says the devil blinded their mind. The only way they can see it is if you and I preach to them and God opens their eyes. That's the only way. God can't force them to become a Christian. God didn't force you and I to be a Christian. What the difference is between us and them is we saw the light. Are you all with me? Amen. We saw the light of Jesus Christ. But you know what? Those today who can't see it is because they're blinded. Now, those of us here who can see, we need to be careful that we do not become blinded once again. That we do not deny the very gospel that has once saved us. That we do not take for granted the things of God. You know that there's a a, a movement of young adults called the Blasphemy Challenge. And these people say they blaspheme the Holy Spirit so they can damn their souls to hell. That's not even true. They take the scripture out of context. But I've watched many of these blasphemies. Most of them are young adults. And a lot of them start off by saying this. I once used to be a Christian. 
Some of them say, my dad was a pastor. I went to church. I was baptized, but now I deny Jesus. I deny the existence of God. I deny his Holy Spirit. What happened to that young person? What happened from them being a person who loved the Lord, whether they're old or young, it doesn't matter. But what happened to that heart that loved God, that worshipped God, that was on fire for God, and all of a sudden now is as blind as a blind man, cannot even see the light of the gospel, denying Jesus Christ? What happened? I'm going to tell you, their fire went out. Their light went out. The devil began to tell them lies. Look what it says. It says that he's blind in the mind of unbelievers. Verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves for Jesus' sakes. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The only way you can know God is to know the things about God. And the devil will tell you that whatever you're hearing is not the truth. If he can get you to believe a lie, you won't see Christ anymore. How many understand? That's pretty simple. And the fire goes out. There's two ways to put out a fire. If we had a fire right here, we could put water on it. That would be like sin. That would just be like us saying, hey, I'm going to sin. I don't want to serve God anymore. Temptation. And boom, the fire goes out. But there's another way. And here's the way the devil does it. If you don't put wood on the fire. If you just let it burn, it will eventually go out by itself. And what the devil will begin to say is, hey, hey. You don't have to come every week. Come on, man. God is everywhere. See, first he'll start off with a lie you can believe. God is everywhere. You don't have to come to church every week. Hey, why are you praying so much? Look at the last thing you prayed for. It didn't come true. See, his lies get a little bit greater. Now now he's going to step on the line of God don't even hear your prayer. Oh, why are you praying so much? Oh, and then the next line. Oh, why, why, why are you not looking at that woman? Why are you not cussing? Why are you keeping back your money, uh, giving your money to the church and not keeping it? And he starts crossing the line, crossing the line. And what he'll do is he'll get you so far out there, you only have just a little flicker of a flame left. And then he'll just let something come into your life. You'll lose a family member. Something bad will happen. Something that's out of control. And he'll just say, there's no God. And just spit out your fire. There it is. There's no God. This was all worthless. This was all fake. And before you know, brother, unplug this thing for me, please. And the Bible says... That all we see is the lies of the devil. And you go up and talk to them. Hey, how you doing, man? And what do, they, what do they tell you? Lie from the devil. Oh, there's no God. I can do what I want. Oh, if there is a God, he'll love us all. It's energy. It's Buddhism. It's, you know, it's just be nice to others. I'll be fine. And all you can see is that once used to be a light, Christians, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Live for Jesus Christ because he called us to be the light. You see, the devil wants to tempt you like he tempted Adam and Eve. He'll come to you like he tempted Job. He'll come to you like he did Jesus. He will come to you. But when he comes, be ready. And the Bible says you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You stop on his head and show him who's boss. Oh, the Bible said that Jesus told him, get behind me, Satan. When you hear that lie, oh, sleep in on Sundays. Get behind me, Satan. Amen? Just say it. may be your flesh, but so what? Just tell the devil anyway. Just mess with them. Amen? You'll be sitting in your class and studying young people, you know, you know, biological evolution, microbiology, studying all of these things that you have in your science classes. And when you hear that professor begin to say, you came from this, this uh, ape-like creature, to say in your heart, the devil's a liar. Just say it right in your heart. The devil's a liar. When you see two girls walking, holding hands, and you want to think that that's normal, and you want to vote for that to become normal, just remind yourself the devil's a liar. 
When you see young people running around with their pants hanging down and colors and gangs and, and you want to just ignore them or call the police on them, say the devil's a liar and then call the police. Amen. Amen. Come on. You've got to tell the devil. He's a liar. I'm not letting him get in my mind. Look at Romans 13, 12. The Bible says the night is nearly over. You see right now, why do we got to be light in the world? Because it's darkness right now. If y'all didn't catch that through the message, I got to give it to you now. Why do we have to be light? Because the world is in darkness. One day he will judge the world. The Bible says he will create a new heaven and earth. We will have no need of a son because the S-O-N son will be our son. Amen. And the Bible says that the son of God is so bright, the light that radiates from him, that there is no shadow upon the new earth. Think about how bright and radiant and illuminating that light has to be. That there's never a place where you can find a shadow. That's how bright he is. But until that day, it's still night. Until that day comes, says the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Plug that in for me, brother. I wish I had a spotlight right now. Like, like, you know, put it on you right now. The Bible says, put on the armor of light. You see, this light is not just now just to be cute. No, now this is an armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies. Look at those crazy people that they had to put that in the Bible. Not in orgies and in drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, in deception and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Put on the army of light and fight back in Jesus' name. Are y'all ready to get it on with the devil? Just get it on, man. Put on the armor and say, devil, I'm striking you down in Jesus' name. There's a reason why we don't go to 12 steps. It's one step to Jesus Christ. He will set you free. Amen. I've never done drugs, alcohol, all those things. Christ has set me free. And all the things the devil has brought against me in 12 years. I'm not going to say that I haven't come out with some scratches. Yeah, sometimes it gets tough. Sometimes it is hard. But you know what? In Christ Jesus, we conquer. We overcome. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. Amen? Would you stand up with me, please? Because you've got to get your shine on now. Amen? The Bible says he puts that lamp on top of a stand. So that everybody can see. I want you to look at this as uh, Rachel comes to the front. says, you are the light of the world. See, my job as a pastor, this is my job. This is why I'm here today. Is to make this scripture as clear to you as possible. I hope I did my job. The Bible says the light of the world, or you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stands. And they give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So my question to you today is, how is your light shining? There it is. That is the question. How are you shining for Jesus Christ today? Do people see your good deeds and glorify God? Or do they see sin? Do they see fear? they see the devil, the lies, the things of Satan? Or is your life shining like a bright light today? That's why we came to church. Amen? Was to get our shine on. I love that we together can get this bright light going. And it's bright in this place right now. It is so bright. But the light of the world has got to go to all the parts of the world. Don't you think Tisa could be right in a 
a church right now and just be like, man, I love church and have a beautiful home and, you know, and just go to church on Sundays and go to worship conferences. I don't want the band. I just want Ish. Don't you think Tisa right now could just be in some beautiful house and just get around church and just say, hey, I love you, Sister Leilani. Let's hang out. And I'm sure you and Tisa would be great friends. It's great. But you know what God said to Tisa? Tisa, Mozambique is a little dark right now. And I don't have enough lights out there. You have a college degree. You're educated. You are gifted. But I want you to now sit in the dirt with the poor and the orphans and be a mother to them. Be the light. You see, God looks at Sherman and he says, Sherman, you can try to live in this church. It may be kind of fun. You can have the big screen for your TV and all of that. And we could, you know, let you always eat snacks and hang out and pizza and all the things we have at youth events. And yeah, that might be fun for a little bit, but you know what God says to you? You've got to go back to Northwest tomorrow. And in Northwest, you have to shine for him. And when you are there, maybe Gilbert's not in that class with you. And you may be the only Christian in that class. And you may say, oh, man, I wish that Gilbert was in my class because I'm the only one here. No, God knows what he's doing. He said, I want you to be the only one there. That way everybody can see the light. Amen, sister? You see, God puts you in that neighborhood. And I know many times you might say, why am I here? Or, Or it's hard being here. But, you know, just as we were singing Christmas carols, and you said, let's go to this drug dealer's home. He knows me. And when we went up to the house, he wouldn't even open the door, wouldn't even talk to us. But when he heard your voice, he came out because he knows you're bringing the light. When I first moved into North and Lawndale, some of you, not knowing that you were speaking death, were concerned. And you were like, oh, you're going to that neighborhood. Well, you didn't understand the plan. See, now you got it. See, God brought me and my wife to that neighborhood because we got to be the light. What do you think the idea is? See, let's all move out of Chicago to Naperville and just give it over to the devil. Is that the plan? Because to hell with that plan. I ain't with that. I ain't packing up the cab, the caravan, the wagon and all that. I'm going right to where they're at. And if they sell a nice, good house in Cabrini Green, I'll buy that house. Amen. Because there ain't no darkness that can stop the light. You've got to get that in your mind. There's no darkness that can stop the light. I remember when we first started going out to adopt a block. People said to me, don't you know what neighbor that, that is? I said, I know exactly what neighbor. I was solicited by a prostitute. Why well, aren't you scared? I'm not scared because light defeats darkness. And that's why when we saw them dealing drugs, I said, that's where I'm starting off. It's right with the drug dealer. Amen. And that's how God moves. And I know some of you say, man, he's crazy. Well, this is time to get your shine. It's time for you to be crazy. Jesus Christ did not call you to be under a bushel, under a bowl, under a table. He wants you to shine. It's time for you to get your shine on. Let's pray before we go. Father God, we thank you today that you brought us to this place. We thank you today that in this house we can do good things for you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to tell you some good things you can do for God. You can love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can love your neighbor as yourself. You can spend time in daily prayer and study the Bible. You can attend church and be discipled. You can avoid all evil and keep the moral laws. You can give to the church and to the poor. You can preach the gospel and make disciples. You can speak words of life and guard your tongue. You can accept godly teaching and live by the Word of God. You can live with humility and be a servant to others. How many people here want to let God use them? 
You've got to talk to Him right now. You've got to talk to the Lord. I can't do it for you. Come on, Jesus. Use us. Jesus, raise up a church that's on fire. Raise up a church like Peter that won't let fear get in the way.